Hey there, I'm Lena Elkins, head coach and trainer at Lena Elkins Coaching. Welcome to Unfiltered, where we talk about real business, real marketing, and real transformation. This podcast is created for aspiring and growing online entrepreneurs who are investing their own capital, their own time, and their own energy into transforming their lives and companies, and are on a mission to multiply their income, influence, and impact fast. Welcome to Unfiltered, and I hope you love the episode. Hello, everyone. Lena Elkins here, and welcome back to Unfiltered. I am fangirling hardcore right now, you guys. I am so excited. We have a very special episode today, and that is because we are interviewing the brilliant Carlo and Style. If you guys don't know who Cara is, get out from under a rock. She's amazing, but she is a mastered certified coach with a BA from Yale and a JD from Harvard Law. In the past three years, she has pivoted from a legal career and has grown her coaching business from zero to seven figures. She's the host of the top rated iTunes podcast on Fuck Your Brain, which has been downloaded over 5 million times and has been featured on outlets like the Mind MindBody Green, Huffington Post, lots of others. And Kara is based in New York. She is absolutely incredible. And if you guys want to go ahead after this episode or right now, go check her out at unfuckyourbrain.com. That is spelled without the U, which is the polite way. So I'll be sure to include all of that down below in the show notes. So definitely go check it out. But Kara, welcome. And thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So guys, the questions that I'm going to be asking Cara today are less about thought work. For those of you guys who are fans of hers, you know that's really her zone of genius and expertise, but you guys can go listen to, uh, to listen to all about that on her podcast, in the clutch, her private community. Um, what I really want to talk about today is what we mostly talk about on this podcast, which is business and marketing strategy and development that works. So Cara, I would love to know. So after you became a lawyer and you realized that it wasn't necessarily the right career path for you, what clicked in your brain and told you that life coaching was the direction you wanted to go in? Yeah. Well, it's always mysterious, like what clicks in your brain and why. Um, I didn't sort of set out consciously to do that. I, I mean, obviously at some point I did, but I did, I was, um, I, fo- I found my teacher, Brooke Castillo, the Life Coach School, uh, and started listening to her podcast. And that was just from trying to, you know, be a happier person and lawyer. I wasn't planning to switch careers in any way. Uh, and after about a year of applying her work to my life, I woke up one morning in February, I actually remember clearly, and it was like whatever had been marinating in my subconscious just came out and I thought like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm going to become a life coach. I'm going to coach lawyers. This is the plan. I'm not going to, I was actually um, at that point, not a practicing lawyer. I was an academic. So I was running a think tank at Columbia and I was supposed to go on the market, which is what you call it when you try to get an academic teaching job. And I um, just thought like, I'm not going on the market. This is what I'm going to do. So it felt like this little sudden surprising revelation, but, and um, I've, I've told this story before, so it's possible you've heard it, but maybe six months after I made that decision and had told most people, I was out in California hanging out with a friend of mine who I basically see every six months and don't communicate with in between. And I told her like, crazy news, I'm quitting the law to become a life coach. And she was like, you've been talking about that forever. And I was like, what are you talking about? Definitely not. (laughs) This is brand new, hot off the presses. She was like, you know, you're always saying like, oh, I wish I could just quit the law and move to Costa Rica and become a life coach. 
So what I realized was that I had been saying that for years as a quote unquote joke. I'd had this desire kind of all along, but like a lot of people who get kind of launched on traditional, conventional, like high prestige and reward careers, I didn't, I like couldn't even acknowledge that to myself. So I was saying it as a quote unquote joke for years without really realizing that that was actually something I wanted to do. That makes a ton of sense. And then you finally took the leap and Brooke was sort of the catalyst to do that. So first, I'm also a huge fan of Brooke Castillo. No worries. And first of all, is she as awesome and supportive and enthusiastic and just sort of like cheerleader in real life? <laughs> I don't think anybody would describe Brooke as a cheerleader. <laughs> well, just, you know, um, she's so enthusiastic, you know? Like, so uh, yes, I think she is very enthusiastic about like life and thought work for sure. I think Brooke and, and I, I mean, this is how I coach too. Like it's like a little bit of the school of tough love. Yeah. So, and I don't think probably my clients are not describing me as a cheerleader either. I think they would say that I am a hundred percent supportive of them and their dreams. And I believe in them even when they don't believe in themselves, but I've definitely worked with coaches who are much more like, everything's great. You can do it. You're doing great. And I think that I, and I'm probably in the middle maybe. And Brooke is more likely to be like, you're amazing and can do anything. What are you doing? This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like true, you know, the real talk, which I really appreciate. And that's why having worked with a lot of other high level coaches, Brooke remains my mentor and teacher and my favorite, because that's what I want. I want someone to be like, you're perfect and amazing the way you are. And also this was terrible marketing. Why did you do this? Right. Yeah, for sure. And so with that, I'm curious, what do you feel like are some of the most life-changing business or marketing lessons that you've learned from Brooke that have really helped transform your business? Yeah, it's interesting. I I think actually a lot of the, um, a lot of what I know about marketing and sales, I actually learned from my father um, Mm -hmm. who is an antiquarian. He's a rare book and photography dealer. And growing up, he would like give us these lectures about value. And I would roll, roll my eyes because I thought I was going to be an academic or a nonprofit. You know, I was like, who cares? Like, I don't care about business. Um, and then once I started a business, I was like, oh, he was onto some stuff there. So, I, you know, I think from Brooke and, and in my brain, it all melds together. You know, it's like a little bit hard to separate them. But I think that the most important things Brooke has have taught me have really been about life coaching, selling life coaching in particular. Um, and that I would say that the mistakes I see younger coaches making the most that I've learned to avoid from her are number one, not, um, not selling the result, right? So people buy for the result. They buy because you have the solution to a problem. They don't care about how you get there. So it's like if you were trying to sell someone on coming to Florida and you talked a lot about the features of the airplane. Right. They don't care, right? They're just like, am I going to get there in one piece? Tell me about Florida. So I think that Brooke really kind of – and this sounds really simple, but then when you look at people's copy, they're not doing it. Um, So it like sounds common sense, but a lot of us get hung up in the like – and then there's this – you know, there's a Facebook group and there's a coaching thing and there's a video, like it's all going to be self-explanatory why that would be helpful. And so I think one of the things I learned from Brooke is like, anytime I tell, I always focus on the benefits. And anytime I talk about a feature, I explain why it's a benefit. So really focusing on the result and what people want and what they want to buy. I think the other thing that, um, 
I really learned from Brooke and a, and a mistake I see a lot of coaches making is they're so far into like coach talk that they mm -hmm. try to sell that way. So they're like, when you work with me, you're going to learn how to like process all your negative emotion. Nobody wants to buy that except maybe for other coaches, right? They don't, they don't want, you know, like coaches have this habit, I think of like making the process sound hard and terrible or just making it like too abstract or too coachy. Like you will be in alignment with your true self. Like what does that mean? Right? People want to buy, like, I'm going to make more money at my job. I'm going to stop yelling at my kids. I'm going to, I mean, I'm not a weight loss coach, but like, I'm going to lose weight, whatever it is, right? They want a concrete result in their own lives. They don't want coach talk. So I think that Brooke really taught me that aspect and element of selling, which is to focus on the result that your client or customer wants and to talk to them in their language where they are. Yeah, it's so powerful. I remember one of her eBooks, I think it's called just how to feel better. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I saw that, like, and coming from such an extensive marketing background, I'm like, it's so simple, but it's so brilliant. And it directly speaks to the end result that people are going for. And it seems so obvious, but that's what works. And that's what people need to see. And that's what translates to people, like you said, who aren't in the coaching industry. And totally. I'm always laughing at what book names things. And then six months later, I'm like, well, that was genius. Brilliant. You know, like <laughs> all the time. Either like really obvious or like a really weird combination of words that seems odd. But then once I've heard it a few times, I'm like, yep, totally. That's selling like hotcakes. Yeah, for sure. And so, okay. So obviously she has an amazing podcast. You have an amazing podcast. Has your podcast, do you think, been sort of the main lead generation and traffic source for you since building Unfuck Your Brain? Or have you used sort of other marketing strategies and approaches as well that have made a big impact? The podcast has been the big driver for sure. Um, so far, I, I, I do run Facebook ads. I have run Facebook ads in the past. Um, but I would say that the podcast at this point in my business probably still 80% at least of my business comes from the podcast. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that is a stage. Like for me, I'm now getting to the point where if I want to keep growing at this rate, I do need a more, you know, I need a more consistent lead generation mechanism that I can like turn up or down with my advertising dollars and where, which with the podcast, it's a little more ad hoc. Like, you know, I can't, it's not like I can be like, Oh, put 10 K into these ads and then I'll get this many leads. So I do think like the future of my business is going to involve more focus on marketing and advertising spend. But so far the podcast I think has been one of the biggest drivers. Yeah. And that's awesome. Um, you know, in, in my business and something that we teach, we're really into funnels and ad spend and we sort of nerd out on that kind of stuff. And that's our main lead gen source. But I think one of the reasons that podcasting sort of seems so abstract and challenging to people is because it really is a long-term game. You know, this podcast that we're doing right now is totally new and it's a new adventure for me. And it's something that I'm just learning for the first time, but for a lot of people, it seems really scary and intimidating, um, especially the consistency with it. And so I would love if you would just speak to that a little bit and the compound effect, right? And just the power of recording episode after episode and sort of what that process has looked like for you to get to this point. Yeah, it's so interesting because of all the things I used to worry about with the podcast, consistency was not it. And I think if you're worried that you can't do a podcast on a consistent basis, then like you have some work to clean up in yeah. the way that you're approaching your business and your schedule. And I don't mean you, you, right? I just mean like, right. 
obviously you're doing it, but I mean, if somebody is concerned that they can't, that they can't commit to creating the podcast on a consistent basis, which you get to decide what that is, right? I do it every single week. Some people it's once a month, some people do it in seasons, whatever it is. But if somebody came to me with that problem, I would be like, fuck the podcast. We got to talk about how you're thinking about the way you show up in your business, right? Like you wouldn't, if you had a boss who gave you a project, you wouldn't be like, well, I'm just concerned. I can't do this consistently, right? Like you're not being the boss of your own business. Um, So I think consistency wise, it's like, it's non-negotiable. It's just not optional. Um, In terms of sort of it being intimidating, I think what I love about the podcast, I mean, it all depends on your strengths, obviously. For me, learning, figuring out Facebook funnels and all that math was much more intimidating. And I'm glad that I did it and I needed to do it. But a podcast was like, oh, I can just talk. Great. Um, so I, I didn't find it particularly intimidating. I do think um, that there is, it's not, it's not as predictable, right? So I think with a podcast, with a Facebook ad, but actually I don't even know if this is true because the truth is you can know all the math and tricks for a Facebook funnel if you want, but if your ad copy isn't compelling, no one's going to click it. So it's the same thing. Like, you know, you still have to, there's no way of getting leads for your business that doesn't involve you having to kind of spend some time and mental energy figuring out not just distribution, but also how to speak to your customer and client and how to what resonates with them and how to talk to them in a way that they understand. So I, in some ways I think they're kind of similar. It's just one is a little more blind and with Facebook ads, you get such great data like, Oh, okay. The ad is working, but now the landing page sucks or whatever. With the podcast, if people aren't signing up, it's a little bit more like, well, I just got to try something else, I guess. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And so with the podcast, like what do you think are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in this process? And especially if anyone's listening to this right now, who's sort of like been on the edge and been thinking about launching their podcast or it's just getting started. What are some of the biggest, you know, tools or tips or advice that you would share? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what are you waiting for? This shit is free advertising, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, I mean, iTunes does not charge you to have a podcast. You can just put your work out there and people will find it, right? I think that's amazing. It's like maybe what blogging used to be like before the internet, you know, went crazy. Um, right. So I just think like, I mean, it, there's no downside as far as I'm concerned. Now, obviously not everybody's podcast is going to blow up so quickly, but it's not that much. I don't, for me, it's not that much time and effort compared to the potential reach. So And I also think it's so incredibly valuable for warming up potential customers because, you know, I'm sure that you probably talk about this a lot too. One of the things Brooke talks about a lot and we all talk about in Life Coach School a lot is providing value ahead of time for your customer. And a podcast is just like pure value. They don't even have to give you an email, right? So people I find are so warmed up. They've gotten to know you. They've established a relationship with you. And you can do that over email once you get their email address, but I think a podcast is even more personal. They can hear your voice. So to me, it's just kind of unparalleled in the way that it warms up potential clients and gives them value. So by the time people, you know, I no longer obviously do consult calls, but, but I used to. And my business definitely, as soon as I launched the podcast, like jumped a level and people who came to the consult calls were already pretty much in, or at least ready to be in. Um, so I think that 
it's just there's so much potential benefit that it's crazy to me that people don't do them. The, the pitfalls I've seen are like the things you want to try to focus on. Um, number one, that same thing I talked about before, if you are talking too much in coachy language, people are not going to understand what you're saying. They're not going to connect to it. I think one of the reasons that my podcast is so successful is that I am very concrete and actionable. Like I, I teach people what they can actually do to help change their brains a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes like I can't listen to other people's podcasts because I just feel like, I, you know, they're just like talking about vibrations. <laughs> like it's just, right. it's like so vague. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do today when I have an anxiety attack? Right? Like what <laughs> help? So I feel like I'm, I'm very concrete. Um, the other thing, but you can go too far. I did once have a client who was teaching everything in her podcast and giving a free workbook with every episode. And so nobody was hiring her. Hmm. She was just, right? She was just basically giving it all up front. And I don't actually, I mean, marketing wise, that's not great, but it's actually not great for your clients either because there's a reason that working with a coach is effective, which is you need some outside perspective. And so I actually don't think it's helpful to just give everyone everything and let them think that they're going to be fine on their own when a lot of people do need coaching and support. Um, so I think you have to have that balance. And then I had one other thing, but maybe it'll come back to me because <laughs> we keep talking. That's <laughs> oh, okay. I know what it is. <laughs> the other thing is being willing to sell. So when I, I love my podcast producer, he's so sweet. When I started to like sell on my podcast and at that point, all it meant was sign up for a free mini session, like hardly hardcore selling. <laughs> he was like, it's only episode five. It's too soon. People are being upset. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I think people who want to work with you need to know about how to work with you. And one of the mistakes I see a lot of coaches making is it's like we're self-involved in this way where we're like, well, I already emailed them twice. <laughs> They're going to be so sick of me. And I'm like, are you kidding? That person hasn't even answered, opened your emails. Right? Like everybody is involved in their own life. They need to hear you talk about working with you 30, a hundred times before they remember to sign up. Like it's not about you, right? Their whole lives are filled with emails and podcasts and kids and dentist appointments and work and their marriage and they want, you know, their weight and whatever they're all worried about. They're barely ever thinking about you. So you have to tell them over and over and over how to work with you. And I think that's one of the reasons also that my pot, like I see people sometimes with big podcast followings that don't translate into clientele. And I think the fact that I have been, that I'm always talking about how to work with me and I don't let my own like insecurity about that get in the way. Yeah, I, I think that that's huge. And you're totally right. My clients are like, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm annoying people or I'm being too pushy. And I'm like, this person has no idea that you exist. Oh my God, and it yeah. is your duty <laughs> right. to remind them. I don't them. even know your name probably. And you've emailed them 30 times already. Right, right. It's crazy. And I think that that's massive is just to like get over your own shit and be proud of what it is. And it's funny, like one of my clients told me uh, recently that she was listening to a podcast and she was so disappointed that the person didn't tell her about their offer. Because she's like, I love this person. I feel so inspired by their work. I want to know how to continue my work with them. I feel like they're doing me a disservice if they don't let me know what exactly it is, you know, that, that, that they can do to continue this right. work with me. And like when you're surrounded by other coaches, it's obvious to you, but Somebody who turns on your podcast on their commute has no idea what a fucking life coach is, if they work with people, what to do, right? So it's like, yeah, you might get a few clients who are hardy enough to like Google you and track you down and figure out that there's a mini session and get on one, right? But most people listen, like if you listen to a podcast and someone seems smart and like useful to you, 
you probably don't even think about, if they don't tell you that it's an option to work with them, why would you assume that you could, right? You can't, you can't make your clients figure out any of it. It's your job to tell them over and over exactly how they can work with you. And yeah, yeah I totally agree. Like if somebody doesn't, you're like, I think if somebody doesn't, then the normal person assumption would be there is no way to work with them. Right. I agree. Yeah. People are lazy, you guys. <laughs> you I mean, have to remind them. Shit, like, like you are, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You're thinking about yourself. Yeah. Totally. And I think the same advice would go to somebody who's holding back from starting a podcast. Uh, people are so worried of the judgment and the criticism. You guys, people, you are going to be so much more critical of yourself ever than anybody else is going to be because people are going to listen to your podcast and they're still worrying about the dentist appointments and the kids and the weight and everything else. Like you are the least of their problems. Um, so if you're fearful of the, the criticism, the feedback, the judgment, like stop worrying about it. You're the only one who's that worried about it. Right. And you're um, worrying about the people who won't be your clients. Right. Right. This is what people do with emails. They're like, well, when I send my emails, people unsubscribe. And I'm like, great. Those people were never going to buy from you. And it costs money to send every email you send. So when you aren't emailing your list because you're afraid people unsubscribe, what you're saying is I want to pay money to keep people on my list who don't like hearing from me and will never buy from me. And I'm going to focus on them instead of focusing on the people who do open my emails, do want to be on my list and warming them up to buy from me and telling them over and over again how to do that so they can become my clients and I can help them, right? It's like, it's like if you were dating and all you focused on was the people who didn't want to go on dates with you. Yeah, I agree. And so much of it is just your ego. You know, it's sort of like on Tinder and you like just keep all these people loaded up in your messages because it makes you feel good that all these dudes were interested in you. Like, I, just last week, actually, it's funny, we're talking about this. We deleted three, almost 4,000 people from my email list. And I was scared shitless. I don't know why. These were all people who like didn't engage or, mm -hmm. you know, were sort of trolls and would criticize and whatever. Um, and I just realized like, I am holding on to these people because of my ego, because it makes me feel good to have three or 4,000 extra people on my email list when I'm literally paying for these people to be on my list. Right. And it's like such a waste. And so removing them just felt so good. And my husband, who's also my business partner was like, yeah, great. Amazing. And now we're can just focus on the people who are engaged and who do love us and who are our fans and who buy. And that's what matters. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's huge. I think that that's really, really, really important. And same goes like, and I just think it's really important to emphasize because people are so obsessed with the numbers and everything. How big is your Facebook group? How many followers do you have on Instagram? None of that matters. All you need is a thousand true fans, right? I'm totally forgetting who said that for the first time, but that's it. Focus on the people who love you, appreciate you, buy from you. It's really not about the numbers. Totally. My um, colleague, Stacy yeah. Smith, who is a business coach, I think her list, I mean, she's going to make $2 million this year. And I think her list is under 10,000 people. And I think she made her first like half a million with a list of like a thousand or something crazy. It's really yeah. not about that number. Yeah. And exactly like you said, you could have your list be 4,000 more of people who never open your emails and will never buy from you. Right. So it's like, it, it's like a thought error because the, the thought error is the more people on my list, the more money I'll make. But that's not right. true. Whatever proportion of them will never buy are doing nothing on that list. Right. Yeah, it's totally true. And it's powerful. Ditch the numbers, guys. Focus on the value. Focus on the relationships. It's way more, way more powerful. So, okay. So you mentioned, Cara, and this wasn't on the questions I was going to ask you, but I'm curious. Totally so you fine. said that uh, you don't take your intro calls anymore. 
I don't either. In fact, I almost do none of the coaching in our business anymore. We have other coaches who are, you know, certified and trained under us and it's a good time, but I'm curious. So what does the behind the scenes of your business look like today? And how did you start building sort of an infrastructure that really worked for you? Yeah. Um, so I still do my own, some of my, a lot of my own, well, I do all my own coaching. <laughs> I still do a lot of coaching in the business. Um, right. I'm in a little bit of a weird transition moment right now, but so right now I have two programs, but one of them is no longer open for enrollment. So right now, the only thing that people can join is the clutch, which is my feminist online coaching community. And, um, that just go, you know, it's a, it's a lower cost membership. And so that just goes through a sales page. So nobody's talking to anybody. Um, when I did have, when I was still filling, I had a smaller high end, um, program called unfuck your brain. I originally did console calls for that. And then I was just, the demand was too high. So I was booking out consult calls were being booked out two to three months in advance. And then once I talked to the person, they couldn't join for another couple of months. So all in all that whole process from like putting in your application to being able to start the program was getting up to like four to six months. Um, so I switched to a video funnel, which meant that people would submit an application. We would review it. I would write them back. I would, you know, I would look at their application, see what, if I thought they were a good fit, if they weren't, I would send them somewhere else. If they were, I would write back to them and, you know, include some information from their email to show that I had read it, which I had. And then I would send them a video that was basically a 25 minute video. That was kind of everything that I would say on a consult call. Hmm. Um, and then they would sign up from that video. So I kind of went in stages from like consult calls to this video consult call, basically like a, a, a video funnel. And then, um, and then that program has been sunsetted. And now for the clutch, just a sales page because it's, you know, much lower, much more accessible, much bigger program. Yeah, I get that. We actually went through the same transition recently where we've always had, you know, one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. And now we basically exclusively do our membership um, with a handful of people, you know, and one-on-one that opens four times a year. But I'm curious for you, why did you decide to sunset Unfuck Your Brain, the, the program? Yeah, it's a good question because it's, it's a great program and I love it. People learn a lot and it made a lot of money. Um, I, I think there's two different reasons. One was I really, like, I am very mission-driven, and I feel like I am on a mission to, I mean, you know, we haven't talked a lot about actually what work I do so far, but uh, I'm a, I call myself a feminist mindset coach because I think that's the best description, um, although I'm a master certified coach, but I really feel like I'm on a mission to teach women how to change their thought patterns, overcome, like, all of their internalized socialization and all the messages they got from their family and from society, like, all of that overcome all their self-critical thoughts, basically, that they don't think are self-critical, they just think are true, and teach them how to change their thought process so that they actually can feel confident and empowered, stop worrying about what other people think, go after their dreams, stop feeling like a bad mother or a bad sister or a bad daughter, like all of that. Um, so for me, I felt, I feel like liberating women, teaching women how to liberate themselves from the inside out is my mission in the world. And I want to reach as many people as possible. And the podcast does that in some way, right? And it reaches people who all over the world and people who can't afford to work with me in any capacity. But I wanted to teach, um, I really come at this from history of being a feminist organizer and advocate. And so um, 
teaching women how to do this work themselves is very important to me. I don't want people to be dependent on me or even on coaches that I train. So I wanted to build something much bigger and more scalable where so many more people could have access to it and could learn how to coach themselves and then they could go out and change the world. Um, so that was kind of the mission reason for the change. Uh, Unfuck Your Brain was not really scalable the way I had created it. I actually think it's a great lesson for coaches about how your needs change at different levels of your business. So when I started Unfuck Your Brain, I created a format that wasn't as common out there, although I think more people do it now, where it was a six-month group that ran continuously and I added new people every month. So they would be in like a boot camp group for a month by themselves, learning the basic coaching model. Then they would join the main group and stay there for five months. So there was, there was content every month and everybody would be doing the same content, but for some people it was their second month in the program and some people it was you know, their third or fourth or fifth or sixth. So that was amazing when I started out because it meant I didn't have to do big launches. I could do consult calls on a rolling basis. I could add people to the program ongoing. My revenue was much smoother and more predictable. Um, and that business model took me to a million in a year. And then, but because of that, it was not really scalable because the way that I had created it involved a lot of coaching with me and a lot of my time. So I do two coaching calls a week and we have a Slack where I probably spend an hour a day coaching. And so it just, it wasn't really scalable in that format. And yet I couldn't, it would have been challenging to change the format because I didn't, wasn't on a launch cycle. So there are always people who would come in right. having bought the old format. So that's why I decided to sunset. It's possible that I would bring it back in a different format in the future where it is more scalable, but it just became a little bit of a ceiling for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's really common for coaches once they hit a certain stage. It certainly happened to us as well. Um, and I think it's exactly what you said, how important it is to be open to change at different stages in your business. And I think a lot of coaches, because they're so trained to think like, you don't quit, you don't stop, massive action, nonstop. And that's all so important. It's also okay to stop and identify what you really need and want at different stages and give yourself the permission to make pivots. Yeah. You know? And I wanted to learn something new. You know, I sort of, I think in all of my jobs before being an entrepreneur, now that I look back, I can see that what would happen is I would be like terrified and want to die for the first 18 months. So I learned how to do something new and then I would be bored. And I think that's like part of how my brain works a little bit. And it's pretty common in entrepreneurs. And, you know, when I started on Fuck Your Brain, that was terrifying to have like, first of all, it was like a, for the market, a very expensive group. And then when I decided to take it to the consult, video consult calls, like, of course, I had to coach myself about that. Like, what are you talking about? Who will buy something this expensive off of a video? And then that worked. Right? And so it was like, I learned how to do that. And then I wanted to learn something totally different. And a membership group is, a, is completely different. And so learning how, like, now I feel like that part of my brain is engaged again. And, but I also can see that the downsides, like, I'm going to have to keep an eye on myself and not burn my business down every two years just because I get bored. <laughs> Right. Right. I get that. Well, I think it's totally worth it. And I'm really excited to see what happens with the clutch and how it evolves. And with that, uh, what do you think? And I don't know if you have like a year long vision, a five year vision, if you're one of those people, but where do you see Unfuck Your Brain as a business going and sort of you and your lifestyle going over the next few years? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I definitely have plans and visions, but I actually have a 10 year vision, like my impossible oh. goal in 10 years is to have 100,000 women in the clutch. Nice. To have 100,000 women 
and to get there, I'll have taught probably a million because a membership group, you always, you know, you lose people as you gain people all the time. So right. to have taught that many women how to coach themselves, I mean, to me, it's the secret to life, how to think and feel the way they want to think and feel, how to stop caring what other people think, how to stop living their lives based on other people's approval or not, how to understand that all the self-critical thoughts they have, all just the critical thoughts they have that they think are reality are not, like how to truly liberate themselves from all of that internalized sexism that they have grown up with, that to me, to have like that many women know that work is going to change the world. So that's my impossible goal for 10 years. So, so, so powerful. And if people listening to this right now want to go ahead and check out The Clutch, how can they do that? Yes, if you want to help me reach my goal, <laughs> that oh, is not how, that's not how you should sell. See, you don't, they don't care. <laughs> no one cares about helping me reach my goal. That's my goal. Uh, you can <laughs> the clutch at uh, unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or we'll put a link in the show notes um, and you can read all about it there. And of course, you know, if you are like, well, this lady sounds like she has some things to say, but I'm not sure yet. You can check out my podcast, which is called Unfuck Your Brain. Easy to find. Yeah, I'll be sure to link all of it down below, you guys. It has been life-changing work for me. I have literally recommended it to every woman and their mother that I know, <laughs> um, including my actual mother and sister, and everyone's obsessed. So, Cara, thank you so much. You are amazing, and this has been so much fun, and I just really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. <laughs>